Hello, everyone. It's Raquel Ark. It's time to work smarter and feel better together. Welcome back to Your Listening Superpower Podcast, where we explore listening as a superpower that transforms communication into connection, both at work and at home. Listen in on inspiring conversations with authors, scientists, and leaders that will open your mind about what is possible and give you communication tools for your leadership toolbox that you can use right away. Let's have fun discovering and growing our listening superpower together. Have you ever thought about how listening develops in children and how this connects with listening in leadership development? You might be surprised by what you discover from our guest today. Marva Shan McIntosh founded the I Love to Listen Day in 2005, and it's still going strong. This day is celebrated every year on May 16th. In this episode, Marva shares her story about how she became a listening professional and how May 16th became a listening day for people around the world to commit to building a culture where listening is a core value. She is an internationally certified listening professional and a nationally certified speech language pathologist who serves in the District of Columbia Public Schools in the United States. Marva is deeply involved in the International Listening Association and in different speech language and hearing associations. And I thought it was also cool that she consulted for the Smithsonian Institute, which If you've ever been to Washington, D.C. and had an opportunity to go to the Smithsonian Museums, they are amazing. I hope you are inspired with Marva, just like I am, in finding ways to raise the awareness of listening and inspiring communities and families on how they can listen to each other better, even creating fun ways, creative ways, and rituals that have long-lasting effects. Enjoy listening in. Welcome to the Listening Superpower Podcast, Marva. It is a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Raquel. It is my pleasure to be with you and your audience. This is my first time in a podcast, but I am excited to talk about the topic we will be talking about. (laughs) Yeah, and listening is definitely big in your heart, and I'm excited that I'm your first podcast. I'm glad that you're on my podcast first because... You're doing so much work around listening, and so this is really a privilege. To start off the podcast, I always start off with the same questions. And for my listeners, if you, yes, I lost my voice. It's coming back. It's a little scratchy, but it is me. (laughs) So I hope that's okay. Uh, You get to see, hear all sides of my voice. So back to you, Marva. What I'd love to find out from you is, when did you first start to know or to notice the power of listening? whether it worked or it didn't work? Mm -hmm. Well, for me, it was not a point in time. It was over a period of time. I am a speech-language pathologist by profession and a listener by heart. And being a speech-language pathologist, I get an opportunity to share the time in the therapy session with the student or the client, and I have learned that I needed to make the listening time more than the speaking time. So that was part of our training 
But because I'm a listener by heart, I was excited to share the time. So I would do at least 60% listening and 40% talking in the session. And I noticed that it worked. And as a speech language pathologist, I work with people who struggle to understand and to be understood. And this is a unique population where they are suffering with some type of disability or another in speaking and understanding and giving just that little extra time. I noticed it made all the difference. It made the difference with our connection as therapists and clients, and it made a difference in how much the output. And when I said the output, we could be talking about someone who is not even verbal. They are vocal. They can make sounds, but not necessarily be verbal in saying words. So that is my background. I come from that area, that focus. And I noticed that I could take it over into the area when I became an administrator in this big government organization that just giving a little more time in listening It makes all the difference in the interaction, in the goal, the outcome of the goal, and even when there is no goal. Because in therapy, there is a goal, but in my other listening, where I'm a listening caregiver, there's no goal. So we are just listening to each other. So in my situation, the listening played a major part. And the more I did it, the more outcome that I observed. And it made such a difference that I said, wow, this thing called listening really works. So it does really work. And, you know, so here, okay, so I'm going to dive in a little deeper to what you were just talking about. You start doing the speech pathology. You started figuring out that if you did 60-40, that this had more of an impact on the actual outcome of you know, of a person being able to move from, from vocal to verbal and, and some of the challenges that they have of feeling understood. So you said that you were a listener at heart already. How did you know that you were a listener at heart already? It was my comfort zone when I was in a group or with other individuals. I just felt more comfortable being the listener, even though I could talk up a storm. And you know that, Raquel, I could talk. But there was something that I was comfortable with. And I felt at ease giving the other person that space to share. Because whenever I did that, it deepened the relationship and they always come back for more. So I enjoyed that. And that was how I knew that I was really a listener at heart. And, you know, when I worked as an administrator, one of my speech pathologists was having, her mom was terminally ill. And she would call me and share the ups and downs, the hospital visits the challenges. And when her mom died, she sent me a card. And the card said, I thank you so much for being such a listener 
during that period, that season of my life. And I hope you will always be a listener wherever in the world you go. Yes, that, (laughs) that was so affirmative because it came to me at a crossroads in my life when I was trying to decide what way, where do I go? Because working in a huge government organization, you're just a clog in the wheel and it was not necessarily your heart's desire. And I said, let me get to my heart's desire. Where do I want to go from here? And when I received that note from her in the card, I said, okay, good. I am going to be a listener. And then I said, well, if I pick up listening as a profession, there's no money in it because no one that I knew in my circle was doing listening. So I said, that would be a waste of time. There's no money in it. But only to realize over time that it was not the money. It was just the deep satisfaction of being that human being who listened. No money can really replace that. Yep. I think now we're starting to um, find, you know, get paid for listening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but in different ways, or it does pay, not right. only as a psychologist and as a coach, but also I see that now with training, you know, where listening is becoming more important. But also, if you're a leader in an organization and you can listen well and impact the bottom line or a manager and you're impacting the outcome of your team and you're getting paid, hey, it makes a difference, even though even without it would make a difference. It's really valuable. (laughs) I agree with you, Raquel, because listening is motivating. And that's what we do as leaders. We motivate others to do what needs to be done. And here's the thing. Whether or not you think you you have a listening reputation, you do. Wait, and say that again. I think what you said was really important, and I think I haven't thought of it this way. Say that again. Whether or not we think we have a listening reputation, we do. Okay. We do have, and the people around us, they know us by our listening reputation. Hmm. And as a leader in any organization, at any level of leadership, we motivate, we encourage, we send the message to the workers that you are valued you are worthy. I mean, you're worthwhile and we appreciate you. And when people feel appreciated, there's nothing that they won't do in that organization, just because that is one of our our core feeling that we want to feel appreciated. We want to feel valued. And that's what listening does. When we take the time to listen, it sends that message and it creates a culture that is, I won't say stressless, but lower stress. And it's just a, so much more of an exciting and motivating environment to work in. So if listening motivates people, why aren't leaders using it more? Yeah, I don't know if everyone realizes it fully, even though when we think about the people who motivate us, often they're the ones that um, listen to us. But we sometimes forget that in the day-to-day pressure. You know, it's interesting about that. You know, it's interesting to think about what's my reputation as a listener. And I think my reputation probably is different depending on who you might ask. I mean, there's a general reputation. But I think my reputation with my son is improving. (laughs) I don't think it was that great. 
<laughs> if, you, if you would have asked him a year ago. <laughs> Where I have other people who I think it's, you know, the reputation's high, you know, or what type of listener am I or in terms of reputation. So just for our listeners, that's something really interesting to think about. Ask your, look into your environment, ask people around you, you know, what's your reputation as a listener? And then to think, is that the reputation we want? Or do we want to change that? Really interesting. Thank you for bringing that. It's awesome. Oh, you're welcome. Yes. And for sons, for teenage sons, it's a lot going on in the brain. And so they will challenge you. (laughs) (laughs) My greatest teacher. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And if you can listen to teenagers, you can do it anywhere. Well, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. (laughs) So. So you had this turning point where you knew that you wanted to be a professional listener, you wanted to be into somehow rather making listening your profession. And so 20 some years, you know, later, what has been your biggest learning or what has had the most impact on you? Well, the most impact on me is that listening is foundation work. And that is one thing that I have learned over the years, that it's a journey and we all are on this journey because listening is hard work. It is hard. It doesn't, it's not intuitive and it is foundational. And no one thinks about the foundation. You go out, you see a building, you're shopping for a house and you look at the house and, oh, it looks good. But one of the last things that you think about is the foundation when it's time for the inspector to come and look at the house in, in seriousness. So we look at buildings and we said, wow, what a lofty building, not knowing that the loftier the building, the stronger the foundation has to be. And that's what we have in listening. In the world of communication, in this beautiful world of receiving and giving, we have a foundation and listening is that foundation. And it's not intuitive. It's something that we have to be intentional about. And for me, over the last 20 years that I have been involved with listening, I have spent the greater part reading an article or reading a book or educating myself or on a monthly basis coming to Raquel for training in Listening Circle just to learn how to do this thing. Because when I went through the university system, I had one professor who told me about listening as a body of study or a body of research, one professor in communication. In the area of speech and language pathology, it is considered to be receptive language and speaking is considered as expressive language. And so it is viewed from that perspective. but the foundation. And here's how deep the foundation runs. When we're in the womb, we start listening. But it's almost nine months to a year when we get out of the womb, after we're born, when we start talking. So we spend all that time, the time in the womb, and nine months after, all that time is considered like a silent period. And during that time, we are listening and we are absorbing what's in our community. And then we start out with one word 
at around our birthday time, the first birthday, we start saying one word. So that's how important and how much of a fixture listening is because we need time to do it. And it's only when listening is that foundation that is really laid that we can actually talk. Do you know what? I love that you're bringing this perspective also with, because I know that you spend a lot of time with a development of children or, and how that pertains to listening. So we can talk more about that in just a sec. But I was just like, what you're saying right now, that when the baby is in the womb, and then it takes, you know, the nine months or whatever, almost a year after, before the first word comes, that we're taking it in, picking it in before it actually comes out. And I was just thinking, relating that today, I was doing a communication training, and a lot of times people are more worried about what they say and feeling confident and expressing themselves. But we spend a lot more time on the foundation of listening so that you know how to uh, speak in a way that's clear or that connects to your the person you want to have this challenging conversations. And actually, even though it seems like a lot of time is spent on there, but that that's kind of like the time in the womb. <laughs> and that's kind of like, exactly. I mean, that's how we start. We, we yeah. start by listening to be able to speak. And for some reason or another, as adults, we think we have to speak first, but it's actually not the way it works. It's never worked that way. Never. Never. And I remind myself, and sometimes I forget. Yeah. Don't Whenever know. I'm going into a situation, be the first to listen and listen first. Because so much misunderstanding happens when we jump in and start to, you know, expose one way or another. But if we become that first person to listen, and if we listen first, we could get ahead so much farther because someone in that diet is going to feel understood. And once people feel understood, we move ahead so much faster but we waste a lot of time revisiting and circling back because someone didn't take the time to listen the first time around. Yeah. You don't have to go through all of them, but maybe give some highlights to what you can tell us about our development and listening as, you know, pertaining to children and growing up. Maybe there's a few interesting yeah. things for our listeners to understand better the development of listening. And even when we understand the development of listening, we can apply the aspect to leadership life, to parenting life. And that is one of the wonderful things that I like about listening. Once you understand the concept of listening, it is one of the best transferable skill ever. So if you're looking to have life skills and a life skill that you can transfer, you know, once you understand that you listen in your private relationships, in your parental relationships, in your working relationship, it is the same skill set that you're taking all around. But back to your question about the developmental stages of listening. So we start listening in the womb. And when we come out, they do a national hearing test to make sure that you're hearing well. But you will see the child move or turn the head in the direction of the mother's voice. So if the child is in a room, that tells you that this is a voice he or she has heard before and recognizes, and it's an indication turning the head in the direction of the voice. And these are subtle, subtle moves that you really have to be observant in noticing. So 
They start to move the head, then they start get used to their names being called, and they start reacting to the name being called. And as they get older, then they start following simple directions. And we start out with one step direction. You could follow one step direction, and that is when you are, I would say, nine months somewhere there. And someone say, come here, or sit beside me, or give me the bottle. And, you know, if it's a baby, give me the bottle. That would be considered like a one-step direction. Give me the bottle. And we do so much of that instinctively without even thinking about it. But here is the child starting to interact with the caregiver and is responding appropriately. Sometimes when there's a deficit, then when you ask, give me the bottle, then you get a blank stare or no response at all. And then the deficit starts to show in that regards. The kids start loving to listen to music, start responding to music, little nursery rhymes, you know, little sing-along they will start responding, they will clap, or they will move their bodies in reaction to all of that. And as they get older and older, we start layer the following of directions. We start making it a two-point direction. You know, come here and sit down. That would be a a two-point direction. Or bring me the bottle and the spoon. That would be a two-point direction. And And then direction gets more complicated to when we get to the workplace and our manager or whoever our leader is will give us a directive, which is a lot more complex, but the same principle is expected of us that we're able to follow through and respond appropriately. So that's how we move into the direction. Now, I must say the understanding of jokes and non-literal language is one of the last stage of the development to come in place because you know jokes is uh, jokes are usually humor is contextual and so it is like the highest order of language so we start out with simple vocabulary in the developmental stage it's a simple vocabulary you learn the simple vocabulary then your vocabulary grows And that's why it's so important to expose the children to multiple, multiple activities in the community, at home, at the park, wherever. So because each activity has its own set of vocabulary and the child, the brain is growing rapid pace, you know, in the first three or four years, the fastest time that the brain is growing. And during that time, the child is soaking up is listening. And all of that intellectual background is being layered in the brain. The brain is getting accustomed to listening, to listen to the birds and to be able to differentiate the sound of one bird from another. To go to the beach and you hear the water and to go to the river and you hear the water and you realize, oh, this is water, that's water. Those are two different waters. And so the, the listening just grows. We start listening to nature and we start listening to others. And in some cases, 
you know, you have a worship experience. So that's another layer. Unfortunately, they don't come discreetly as we would like to think because we are humans and everything is happening all at the same time. But when we talk about it discreetly, it's just for a conversational point. But in the way we grow and develop, everything is happening all at once and it's all excited and the child reacts. And But when the child does not react the way we expect, we start seeing differences and we start questioning what's going on here. And this is a time once you start questioning, reach out in your community to the teachers or to the early intervention program so that they can start working with the child as early, as early as possible. Mm, nice. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, I read somewhere, like I was thinking about the development you said at the beginning, that the babies are, you know, they hear the mother's voice and their head will turn to the mother. And then I was reading somewhere that once the teenage brain start kicks in, that actually the brain doesn't respond to the mother anymore. It starts responding to new voices. And so yes. even though, you know, that sometimes we're like, tell something to our child and like, they're not listening to us, but maybe the brain's not registering that. That's part of the teenage brain breaking away from the mother and starting to respond to new things. And once I learned that, that helped me a lot. <laughs> I didn't take things as yes. personal. Yes. And you are so on point. Many people are not aware that the teenage brain is going through another growth circle and a growth point, and it's, it's reacting very differently. And emotionally, the teenagers are trying to get some level of autonomy and moving off to respond to their peers and not so much to their parents because I'm grown now. And I, you know, I'll tell you about my son. I used to drop him off at school, and when he went to the high school, he would ask me to drop him off at the gate. Yeah. <laughs> so prior to that, you know, we'd go down to the circle, drop him off at the door, and he's like, okay, mom, you don't have to kiss me anymore. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, so they are growing. They're getting autonomy. He didn't definitely didn't want his peers to, you know, see me giving him a kiss, and definitely you could drop me off at the gate. I'll walk in. Yeah, yeah. So this is the autonomy that the teenagers yeah. are trying to acquire. And it is a real thing that is happening in the brain, in the brain of a teenager. It is real. You're so right, Raquel. Yeah. It is real. And if we understand that, then we'll be a little more empathetic yeah. and a little more compassionate to them as they go through this struggle period to become who they want to become. Yeah. Yeah, even though I think that, you know they pay attention a lot more than what we realize. Sometimes I'm surprised at what they're paying attention to. So, so they don't listen, but they are. But they are. <laughs> so, just in different ways. They, they, very yeah. much, very much. Because if you change the sequence, they'll call you. Yeah, they do. That. They're very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you for explaining that because I think it's really interesting to notice how we develop and how the listening develops, and when you think about parenting and what we expect and how that evolves. But you're right, also taking it to leadership. And maybe when you're first onboarding people, you're giving them one step directions, then two step or three, you know, like I was just thinking about that process. And then, and then once people figure out the rules, then they might want to break away and get creative, like the teenager. This happens in organizations all the time, doesn't it? So it's, it's nice to think about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And also in language learning, you know, when you move to another culture and you are 
acquiring the new language, you do go through that silent period. You go through that silent period and you are learning. And some people will see an individual from another culture and think that they are not nearly as intelligent as they actually are because they're going through their silent period. Been through that. (laughs) You've lived through that, right? through that one. I remember when I first started working at the organization, I was trying to write my emails in German because I really wanted to practice my German. And like within the first couple of days, I had people like assuming I was dumb. So I'm like, well, forget this. So then I powered them away with English after that. Um, I know it wasn't yeah. so good for my German, but but not everybody can do that. And so that's, you know, now I'm recognizing, you know, that I really, how to support people who aren't able to do that. So yeah, but it's interesting that we go through our silent period and then, and when we can start speaking again, it's nice. Yeah. Yes. And we're living in a multilingual world. And to make that wrong assumption that because the person doesn't speak the language of the community where they are today, that has very little influence on their level of intelligence. But the the lazy brain will assume, make that assumption that this person is not really very intelligent. And that is done at so many different levels. It's at the high level, you would think, that others would know better, but they don't. Well, that's why it's important, you know, once you're aware of that, to start taking a little bit more time and seeing what happens. might be surprised. So I wanted to shift the conversation. So a lot, what a lot of listeners don't know is that you, you started a very special day that happens once a year. And this day is called I Love to Listen day. And I'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about what is that day and how did that come about? All right. Well, thank you for asking. Uh, I Love to Listen Day is celebrated on May the 16th. And during that point when I told you I was at a crossroads in my career, I went to a writer's conference and I met this gentleman who was one of the presenters and he was a ghostwriter for many famous people. And he said he started something called I Love to Write Day. And while I was listening to him, I said, hmm, let me see if I could start I Love to Listen Day. So I went to him and I said, John, you inspired me to start I Love to Listen Day. And he said, hmm, I had never thought about that, but go do your homework and make sure that it doesn't already exist. Because when I started this writing day, there were many, 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 many days in the year that were set aside for acknowledging writing. So he just called it, I love to write day. So I said, I'll call it, I love to listen day. So it was as simple as that. It was around 2004 and 2005. I got my nerve together and announced to the world, I love to listen day. So I love to listen day really means I love to listen because it gives you a voice. Hmm. So that's what it means. I love to listen day simply because it gives you a voice. So if each of us take that stance that I love to listen because it gives you a voice, then at some point the circle will come all the way around and everyone at some point would have felt heard. So we have been celebrating that day. This year is our 18th year. (laughs) 
Yes. So each year I have the task to come up with an idea and, um, and to market and to share. And with each passing year, the idea is catching on in different communities. And uh, we have heard from people in India. There was a, a team in India last year that had a I Love to Listen Day activity. We've had people in Germany. We've had people in Canada, in Jamaica, in Suriname. Suriname is a small country in South America. We've had um, people from Japan. We've had people all over um, the world uh, celebrating I Love to Listen Day on May the 16th. Very cool. And it's yeah, just a wonderful thing to say, okay, today I'm going to be intentional about listening. Today I'm going to start a listening tradition in my family. Uh, today I'm going to think about my listening legacy that I'm leaving behind or my listening reputation. It's just a day to really celebrate listening and the power that listening has in our community. So I get excited about I Love to Listen Day because last year this lady came up to me and she said, you've been talking about this listening for a while and I've been trying it out in my family. And I must tell you, if you only did this for one person, for me, it was worth it because I'm raising two girls and I, my husband and I, we're raising two girls and we started doing more listening and we have seen such a difference in the outcome of our relationship. So that one lady's testimony, and I've had you know several people saying, thank you for creating this awareness because I would never have stopped to think about listening in this context and understand how listening makes all the difference in our lives. Mm, that's so amazing. So we'll put the link to the webpage in the notes here. And so for, for listeners, check out the webpage and see some of the ideas of what people have done and what's a part of that. And, you know, if, if you guys have ideas on how to be more intentional about listening, whether it's in your organization, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your community, also in little ways, reach out and let us know and be a part of that celebration. It's really exciting. And it's free. And it's, free. And it's <laughs> I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not easy, but it's free. And the impact is just unimaginable to say something, just tweaking what we do and our attitude, you know, our attitude. Even if on I Love to Listen Day, you take a minute to check our attitude. What is my attitude towards listening? Because given the general public, our attitude towards listening is that it's not as important as speaking. And so that becomes problematic. Then people feel anxious when they don't get a chance to speak. But if you just check your attitude about the power of listening, you know, then you could relax a little bit because knowing that what you're doing, being a listener is a powerful thing because how we know it's a powerful thing when someone is misunderstood, it is the most stinging, the most disturbing experience. And so much has gone wrong. I remember giving a presentation at a hospital association and was talking about listening in the healthcare field. 
And people admitted that so many lives were lost because the healthcare giver didn't take the time to listen to the family or to the patient who was involved. So listening is a life and death matter in many cases. And in other cases, people have missed opportunities that will never come back because your listening weren't there. So it is just a wonderful thing to do this year. We are talking about listening proclamation. And I have written a listening proclamation and I'm getting ready to put it on my website, I love to listen.com. And you can take that proclamation and use it in your family, or you could send it up to your local government, or you could send it up to your national government and have them to declare I love to listen day a day of listening. So I have the listening proclamation ready. And we're not going to wait for government agencies. We're going to take this listening thing in our own hands and do it in our own homes, in our own circle, in our own organization. You can declare this is I Love to Listen Day and you'll have all the wording. All you have to do is just sign it and take a picture and share it with us. So I am really excited. Very good. I'll definitely be with you on that day for sure. Yeah. I think this is an awesome initiative. And, you know, at the very beginning, you said that it was, I love to listen day so that I give you voice. So I love to listen to you so you can have a voice. And that if we all do enough of it, it circles around that you'll be given a voice too. And so Marva, you started this some years ago, 2004. I'm going to give you a chance to have a voice. (laughs) It's circled around. (laughs) And so with that in mind, you know, if there's one thing that you would love to leave with our listeners from that heart listener that you are from your heart, and you have a chance to say something and have voice, what would it be? I would like to encourage people to be the first to listen and to listen first. So when you get into an interaction, be that one person to be the first one to do the listening and to listen first, because you're giving someone an opportunity to be understood. And that is a priceless experience. And when, when you do that, people remember the opportunity. It's a gift that you've given. People don't forget that because people don't have listeners in their lives. They have a lot of people telling them what to do, how to do it, when to do it. But with people listening in their lives, they don't have it. So as a leader, be that motivator and use listening to motivate others. As a parent, do the same. Because, you know, I would always say, if you want to change the world, go home and listen. That is a great place to start. So be the first to listen and listen first. That would be what I would share with the world. Well, I'm so happy that you are on the podcast and I'm glad that I'm the first. (laughs) Not that that I'm competitive or anything. No, I actually am not. But I'm just happy (laughs) that you said yes. You know, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, we'll put the website at the bottom. And if you have um, other contact information, we'll add that to the notes of the podcast and really Mm -hmm. encourage people to get involved with this wonderful day on May 16th, right? It's May 16th. May I 16th. love to listen day. Yes. 
Thank you so much for being on this podcast, Marva. It was really a pleasure. You have just enjoyed Your Listening Superpower Podcast, where we dive into how to work smarter and feel better at work and at home. This is an independent show, so please show your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends. Also, if you or somebody you know has experienced listening superpowers being put into practice, email me at listeningsuperpower at gmail.com or send a voicemail at plus four nine one seven three two three four zero seven two two. If you want your team to grow their listening superpowers, you can find more information at listeningalchemy.com. I'm your host, Raquel Ark. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Cecilia Mercado, for your amazing podcast production, Dorta Streicher for your impactful artwork, and Evo Tiemann for your inspiring music. It's been fun and see you guys on the next episode.